Good morning, my name is Dr. Cindy Sewefansale and I'm here for the health hour and this morning's show is really interesting because I have two um, people in studio and we'll be discussing BDSM and I have Mistress Kink and on Twitter she's at Kink Shanty, K-I-N-K-S-H-A-N-T-Y and I have um, her master in studio with as well. So good morning to the both of you. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. How was the traffic? It was a breeze. Mm, no. it, oh, not too bad. No. Oh, well, I'm, I'm really happy to have you here. So I know that um, Fifty Shades of Grey, the books and the movie took the world by storm. And um, it got me wondering and thinking about um, BDSM. So I'm really glad to have um, Mistress Kink and Master um, in studio. So first of all, let's just define what BDSM involves. I think a lot of people need to understand what it is. There's a lot of myths around it. So, you know, this show is, this morning's show is primarily around myth busting and also exploring the health aspects of BDSM and a whole lot of other things as well. So I'll start start off with Mistress Kink. BDSM, what is it and what does it entail? Cindy, BDSM literally stands for bondage, domination and sadomasochism. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, now when it comes to the sadist-masochist relationship, I'm going to ask you a little question. Mm-hmm. Do you know what a masochist is? Mm-hmm. Masochist is someone who enjoys receiving pain. Mm-hmm. A sadist is someone who enjoys giving pain. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a big difference between inflicting pain and giving pain. When you inflict pain, you're usually coming from a space of anger um, with the intention to do bodily harm. In a very in a very aggressive manner. Yeah. Okay. With BDSM, there's a lot of fun incorporated into it, mm. and the more the masochist enjoys receiving the pain, the more the sadist enjoys giving the pain. Mm. Now, what did the masochist say to the sadist? I have no idea. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> what was the response? No. <laughs> and often denial is the worst punishment. I don't know if you remember being a child growing up and your mom sort of got to a point where she got tired of giving you discipline because you weren't listening. You had your head up your ass. So she'd say to you, go to your room and wait for your father. Wait till your dad gets home. And that was the worst. It was just, oh, just The anxiety of not knowing, the fear of not knowing what mood he's going to come in, what he's going to do next. So very often the denial of pain is the worst kind of pain that you can get a, can give a masochist. Mm. <laughs> Sick and twisted as that may sound. Mm. And just how you got into um, BDSM, Mistress Kink, I think um, that, that's interesting for me because I know that I've been speaking to a few friends of mine over the weekend about this show. And one of them you know, says to me, well, chances are she was abused as a child or you know, something traumatic happened. And I was, really, I was almost offended by that because the assumption that if you like something that's not the norm – um, that you've had a traumatic childhood. I, I just think that's just too, that's just extrapolating something too far. I think that's a very generalized sort of reaction from people. Yeah. And you can't generalize that way because not everybody comes from a disturbed background. Mm. Well, I suppose everybody does. I'm the only normal person out there. <laughs> <laughs> but as a child growing up, once again, you know, um, once master sort of enslaved me and got me involved with BDSM and I started making my own leather floggers and so forth. I remember clearly, um, you know, just sort of recollections as a child. My mother would take flex wire 
Mm. Okay. Each mother obviously had their own things. I mean, some I've heard of some mothers that used kettle cords and all sorts of things to punish and discipline their kids. No, my with. aunt used to beat up her kids with a kettle cord. <laughs> I rest my case. But, um, yeah, so my mother took flex wire. She mm-hmm. was very crafty in what she did. She used, I think, 12 or 14 pieces of flex wire, probably about 30 centimeters long, and then attached them to a short broomstick. Um, so one lashing <laughs> would literally be like 12 lashings on your backside. I can imagine. Yeah. And that's the equivalent of, I think, more severe than a leather flogger. Mm. A leather flogger gives sensations to the skin, mm. whereas what she used, and she used to call it ears. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, I think was a lot more sadistic. So in a way, or in a sense, I suppose my mom was a sadist herself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, quite interesting. And um, just so so when you and Master met, first of all, how did you and Master meet? And and then secondly, how did you then start? Um, I mean, I've seen your website, very efficient website, very professional website, and you charge quite an arm and a leg for the services that you offer. Um, how did that come about? I was a tantra practitioner. Um, I can't mention names. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But somebody in South Africa, also very well known, introduced me to Tantra. Okay. um, Many years ago. And I took up Tantra and I started facilitating journeys for people Mm -hmm. in order to try and help to facilitate their healing, their sexual healing. Okay. Within themselves and bring them into a space of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where I used to give the linger massages to men. Um, and the yoni massages to women. Mm-hmm. Master made a booking with me the one day, and I'm going to hand over to him right now because it's actually a beautiful love story. <laughs> yeah. Over to you, Master. <laughs> yeah, okay. What happened is um, I went to her for a tantra massage, or tantra booking, should we say. Um, it was actually the second time I was seeing her. And uh, I walked into her studio and uh, it was divided in two parts. It was like a lounge in the one section and the part where she does the tantra in the other section. And I said to her, would you like to play a game today? And she looked at me with this awkward look on her face and said, this is very serious. You know, what are you talking about? So I said, no, let's play a game. Are you keen? And she said, yeah, why not? So I said to her, well, go to your studio and uh, just kneel down, get on your knees. And... Uh, she went in. Uh, I left there for about two or three minutes. I came in. And, uh, yeah, so we started playing the game. And that's where I enslaved her. So we're not going to go into how the whole enslavement worked, <laughs> but that's where, yeah, where the whole thing started. And from there, um, yeah, it's been a love story since then. No, I must say, I mean, the chemistry between you two is quite remarkable. And I think that's one of the things that um, I really want to explore in this show, and that. I mean, as a, I don't know if you're aware of it, but I, I'm an HIV clinical doctor, so I, I only work with HIV. And a lot of what I deal with is, is around obviously the transmission of the virus, relationships, dysfunctional relationships, working relationships, and a lot of sexual issues. I mean, a lot of my clients, um, have had some other, you know, problem. They have some other problem involving sex. And, um, for me, it's, it's all, this, this, this is all part of, it's, it's, I'm always trying to figure out what is driving the HIV pandemic in South Africa. What is what are the issues? Why why is there so much HIV in South Africa? And I thought to myself, it would be great to interview you guys and just understand the clients that come to you. Why are they coming to you? What are their issues and what's going on? And I mean, when when we spoke earlier on, I know that um, when I asked you about your clientele, 
You, Mr. King, you are actually a marriage counselor and you save a lot of marriages without even realizing it. And a lot of it centers around sex. Sex is a very important part of a relationship. And these people come to you to talk. They come, yes, they come because they want, to, they want to take part in BDSM issues, but a lot of them just come to chat to you and they're chatting to you about everyday issues that I as an, as a clinician might not have access to or might not have the time to explore with clients. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So that was mm. very eye-opening for me. So just, you know, just let's, let's chat around that, that what is it about couples and what relationship issues are they facing, especially sex issues? Sex is so important. People don't realize this. Well, I think people do realize it. But sex, the way the way we have sex, the way we interact with our partners, withholding sex, demanding sex, using sex as a punishment, there's just so much going on out there. Okay. If you if – you when I take people through um, any sort of journey, yeah, the journey always unfolds for them sexually, and with the practice or the combination of tantra and BDSM, you see, tantra is a very soft, sensual, gentle practice, yes, which teaches you to come to deeper level and un- levels of understanding of yourself as a sexual being, because first and foremost, you were created a sexual being, all right, for pleasure. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. And I blame religion. I seriously blame religion. doesn't matter what religion you, you conform to. It always talks about um, the withholding of sex and that sex is only meant for the marriage and it's only meant for reproduction in some cases. Um, and you're not allowed to use contraception in other cases. Um, so it takes out the enjoyment of sex in the marriage. Well, funny enough, Mr. Skink, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm a born again Christian. And, um, I, I am actually, I'm beginning to see that the Bible doesn't actually say that you mustn't enjoy sex. There's, you know, we are meant to enjoy sex. I think that we as human beings have taken a lot of the messages around sex within the, within religion, for me, the Bible, and twisted it around and put, put a lot of heavies on people. Like, you may not do this and you may not do that and so on and so on. But Cindy, there, there's, um, Dr. Cindy, there's, there's a book that I read called Conversations with God. Yeah. When I read those books, it brought about a whole lot of new self-realizations in terms of sexuality for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I actually walked out of the church. I was starting to be a pastor at that point. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I found my freedom. You know, in that book, the, the author says to God, so you created us sexual beings mm-hmm. for your pleasure. Then you institute a law that we have to get married to one person and that one person has to satisfy us in every aspect of our lives for the rest of our life. And God says, I said that? Really? Where? <laughs> you know, it's all based on perception once again. And it's a lot of man-made religion and doctrine to govern, I believe, back in those days, historically, the sexual activity of people because of the diseases that were going around. Okay. So the best way to control that would have been through religion. So you think that in this in this era where we have a lot of sexually transmitted infections going around, um, you think that the, the, the church, the, like, okay, Mr. Skink, what I'm what I'm trying to say to you is that I don't subscribe to the way of thinking mm-hmm. that religion necessarily clamps down on what people may or may not do within sexual relationships. Yes, it does. Because if you go back to Christianity again and Catholicism, mm-hmm. they speak about oral sex being taboo. Okay. 
And in today's day and age, everything revolves around oral sex. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Back to your passage <laughs> sex or passage sex amongst married couples. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. No, fuck you. And that's where it ends. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So back to your clients. Let, let's talk about your clientele because I think this ties in with what you're, tell, what you're speaking about. Because I remember asking you, who are the majority of your clients? Okay. And your answer blew me off my feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, sp- you explained to me that the majority of your clients are white Afrikaans men and uh, men from the Muslim culture. Yes. Okay. The conservative mm-hmm. people of society. And I believe that the reason why they go out seeking services of people like myself, you see, Dr. Cindy, I advertise extensively on prostitution websites where people go and look for prostitutes Mm -hmm. because I've come to realize that I'm tapping into a niche market there where people are out there looking for something, but they're not sure what. And it's due to the lack of intimacy and sex at home, gratifying sex at home. And the reason why my own findings, um, and this is all based on the life coaching that I've done with most of my clients, Mm -hmm. relationship coaching, sexual vitality, and so forth and so on. Um, My findings are that people are brought up in conservative households where sex was taboo. It was never discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, So the result is these guys are growing up. it's, It's a typical scenario of boy meets girl, falls in love. They get together, um, and then they try and have a satisfying sexual relationship. The problem is that these young boys came into their sexuality in a very secretive manner growing up as kids. So they would wank behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. and they would program their bodies to come quick and quiet Mm. so they don't get caught. True. The problem now is that that they face with, with, as they grow older and, and you know try and fall into a satisfying sexual relationship long term, is that they come too quick. They pre-ejaculate. And that's a, I mean, and that's a serious <coughs> health problem. I think I think I mean I remember that I've had quite a few clients email me telling me that they suffer from um, pre-ejaculation. pre-ejaculation. Yes. And I've always referred them to a, to a urologist. So it's interesting. No. I, would, I want to know from you, how would you deal with a patient that suffers from pre-ejaculation? Because pre-ejaculation is a very serious mm. problem. It's, it's, I think it's worse than erectile dysfunction. Yes. There's a few questions that I always ask these people. And the first question is, are you circumcised? Okay. If a man is circumcised, <clears throat> then it gives me a clear indication that he's been wanking too much. And this is why <laughs> Mistress Kink no man <laughs> It's fact <laughs> Because he's programmed his body to come quick and quiet If he's not circumcised That's a serious problem Because now it becomes a physical thing mm-hmm. Because the foreskin is constantly protecting The head of the penis Which is where all your nerve endings sit mm-hmm. So it's protected So the minute he finds any form of stimulation In the form of friction mm-hmm. Up and down his body reacts involuntary. And he, and this and is he why it comes. comes too quick, yes. Okay, that's an interesting one. Okay, so there's many different exercises that I give my, I won't call them patients. Clients, <laughs> your clients. My clients, my babies. Um, and one of them is the Kegel exercises. 
Okay. You know, with the Kegel exercises in any, in any situation. So, in so, your okay. Life. So for those, for those of us that don't know what Kegels are. So Kegels is clenching, like, you know, as if you were, you would, you know, you need the loo, you press for the loo and you, you can't go immediately. You clench those muscles to make sure that your urine doesn't come out. That's right. And that clenching is actually exercising your Kegels. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That combined with breathing. Yeah. Specific breathing exercises. I'll give you an example. And this is what I say to all my clients that come through for BDSM. Where's the safest space in a hurricane? No idea. In the center. Okay. How do you get there? Now, a lot of people will try and control situations to get there or try and dictate how to get there. The simplest way is just to close your eyes, breathe deeply Mm -hmm. in through the nose and out through the mouth and become one with the rhythm of the chaos of that current and allow that current to take you effortlessly where it needs to. And you'll end up in the center anyway. So with breathing in any situation in life, especially people that suffer with anxiety and stress and so forth, I always give them breathing exercises. It's important. So that's, that's the breathing exercises combined with the Kegels. So it's, it's very, and it, it stimulates certain muscle groups and nerve endings in your body. And that also helps you come back into a level of control over your ejaculation. I find a lot of people clenching their stomach muscles to try and control it. Yeah. Wrong. Totally wrong. And this is where I teach them different techniques. Okay. To, 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 to prevent pre-ejaculation. Yes. And in patients with um, erectile dysfunction? There's many different things there again that come down to why they have erectile dysfunction. Usually I find that it's tied up with high blood pressure. Yes, so diabetes and high blood pressure. Okay, diabetes so and heart problems. Yeah, so overweight, overweight, definitely. Cardiovascular disease yes. and high blood pressure are yes. the biggest culprits in erectile dysfunction. Absolutely. And I always say, when I'm encouraging people to lose weight, I always say to them, especially the males with the big tummies, the moment <laughs> you lose that tummy, your sex life changes. Increases. Your libido goes through the roof. Absolutely. So if, if there's ever motivation for you to lose weight, it's mm. the fact that your libido is going to go through the roof after Not that. just that, but if you're doing cardio... Just normal cardio exercises. Mm -hmm. It increases the endorphins in your body. There's a whole physiological um, change that happens in your body. Your testosterone levels go up. Everything increases. So your sexual vitality automatically increases. Mm. You know, and as a mistress, ultimately I want the best for my slaves and for my, you know, from them. Mm -hmm. I often get slaves coming through, then I say to him, slave, you need to lose 10 kilos. That's great. So that's, that's health. And you will not health. see me again until you've lost those 10 kilos. So that's health promotion on your part. Absolutely. And, and distance domination, I make them take photos of themselves on the scale daily mm. and send it to me. So this becomes a motivating factor on its own. And this is where I become the, their ultimate mistress mm. because they realize that I just want the best for them. And sexually, they'll benefit from it. No, absolutely. In their own lives. So we have a message on WeChat. So you can me- you can message us on WeChat, uh, <laughs> message cliffcentral.com, or you can tweet us at docsindi, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. So I have Mrs. Kink and her master in studio, <laughs> and we're discussing BDSM and sexual health and just, you know, the benefits of, of being healthy and so on. So inappropriate wants to know, how is a normal sex session in a BDSM relationship, master? So how, how is a normal sex, I don't know what normal sex session he wants to know what's a normal sex session in a BDSM relationship. So I'm, I'm assuming he wants to know from foreplay to the end, what would you engage in? Oh God, there are so many different ways. It, de- it depends on the person. It depends on the on the time. It, it, oh. Stress levels. Oh. Oh, what a broad question! Oh my God. Um, 
Yeah, look, clearly what would happen, uh, just as a basic rundown, is you generally tie a person up, okay? Not always. Mm-hmm. You might tie them up mentally, you know, without restraints. It's not always that you need leather and chains like Garrett said before the show. You don't always need those things. Mm. You can tie a person up mentally. Um, I could tie you up with some toilet paper, for example. Mm. And uh, obviously issue you a safe word, always safe word. Okay, safety comes first in every instance. Consent and safety. Consent and safety, always. definitely. All right, so a safe word will always be issued. Yeah. Um, you'd find out the person's soft limits and hard limits, where they want to go, where they're prepared to go. And you'd go from there, yeah. So, mm. Okay, and then just, just the definition of a safe word, I think, for people out there. What <laughs> is a safe word? A safe word is something that where, where the game gets stopped. Okay. All right. So if they call the safe word out, um, you, you can go with colors where you go kind of green, yellow, red. Yeah. And it's just obvious with those colors what you do, where you would slow it down, speed it up, um, be more intense, be harder, be softer, mm-hmm. um, try different tools, different techniques. That sort of thing, yeah. But you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different pain thresholds, and it's not always about pain. That you know, people get confused and think BDSM is always about pain. Well, that's the thing. That's the that's and, myth. And it's not. It's so not. No, not at all. Okay. Yeah. And um, Mrs. King, I mean, I have a question for you. Someone's asking that: Should we be teaching um, our kids this kind of stuff? And I remember you specifically telling me that you don't see people that are younger than 25 years old because you believe that they need to explore, you know, the vanilla, what you call vanilla sex before crossing over. Typically a virgin. Yeah. In their own minds, as a young girl growing up, you develop this perception that sex is such a beautiful blah, 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 all this romantic bullshit that you read in Mills and Boons. Okay. We all grew up on that. Yes, wow. absolutely. Don't, don't shut And you always want that first kiss to be the ultimate kiss. And you want the first penetration to be the ultimate penetration. And based on that alone, as, as a rule of thumb, I try not to see people younger than the age of 25. Because I believe that naturally they need to walk their course in life mm-hmm. until they come into a space of their own where they realize, okay, you know what, I'm ready for this. And this is something I really desire. Because you need to understand, Cindy, you know what? When, when it comes to the SM relationship, the ultimate satisfaction for the sub, if it's a female sub. So the sub is the slave. Yes, okay. the submissive. Yes. Um, is to please her master. Mm-hmm. And obviously the more she pleases her master, the bigger the rewards. And the ultimate sexual reward would then be to squirt. Not once, not twice, but like multiple times mm. in one session. Master made me come 53 times, clitorally, mm-hmm. in an hour. Wow. He made me count them and thank him as they happened. <laughs> wow. Yes. That is a record. Okay. And that was the ultimate reward for me. Mm. Okay. But that was also after a whole lot of bull whipping <laughs> to get the endorphins going. Well, speaking speaking of endorphins and bull whipping, okay, so the the, the, the equipment that you use, it's sterilized, right? So different mm. equipment for each um, client or mm. sterilized, how does it work? All my equipment is always sterilized. Mm-hmm. Um, Discam is my favorite friend. They mm-hmm. sell that pink um, hand soap that you purchase for the hospitals. Yeah, I use a lot of Yes, I use a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But all the equipment is always sterilized and cleaned after every session. 
And there's no bloodshed, right? There's no. no there's never an exchange of bodily no. fluids. No. There has been bloodshed when I go anal. Okay. On on a couple of the guys, and it's purely just because their asses are so tight. Mm. But it's ultimately only because they're begging for it and they want it deeper and deeper. So what the slave begs for, mistress gives. From a cleanliness point of view, because I'm so totally OCD about cleanliness, you vet your clients before you allow them to come through, right? Yes. Okay. And they know that, you know, you're going to, you obviously do a background check because you're not, like, you don't want someone coming with a gun or a knife and endangering your life and master's life. Mm. But in terms of, of health vetting, mm. you know, before any session, you want mm. to check out that this person is clean and well kept mm. and so on, right? Mm. As a, as a, as a mistress. Yeah. When my players come through and they play, they're always down on their knees. I instruct them to strip. They strip naked. Um, the first time they come play, I don't instruct them to strip naked. I do a caterpillar with them. So I would tie their, hi- their hands behind their back, lay them down on their backs on the ground, and give them 30 seconds to crawl out of all their clothing, <laughs> failing which I'll cut any items of clothing off their body. <laughs> I've got lots of underpants and socks. <laughs> And how do you explain that when you get home? So every time they come back and play with me, I always check their bodies. Firstly, I want to see if there's any other bruising on their bodies. I will not give any form of pain to anybody that's got prior bruising because that gives me a clear indication that this player just goes around from person to person looking for more and more pain. I have had that once or twice. Um, So that's the bruising, firstly, because you can't bruise someone over bruising. You've got to give it some time to heal. Okay. Okay. That's firstly. Secondly, I check for any health ailments. It's almost like going to a doctor. Yeah. And um, so you'll ask about pre-existing conditions, high blood pressure, absolutely, heart conditions, mm. so on. back problems, neck problems, okay. knee problems. Okay. Any of those, yeah. Um, and then in terms of anal play, for instance, I always give enemas. On the day of play. On the day of play. Okay. I'm going to make sure that those bells are squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a shitty situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's very important. So as a mistress, you become their mother, their auntie, their uncle. You become their counselor. You become everything. You become their safety net. They know that they can step into my space in a place of safety and find their counterbalance in life. I have um, people from all walks of life. I have one specific client that comes to me just for caning. And he's a professional in his own life, often prepares for trials. And when he prepares for trials, very often overlooks, you know, in, in, in the overanalysis of facts in a case, you often overlook the smaller facts. Yeah. And it's those small little details that end up costing you the most. Mm. So very often, you'll phone me up and say, I need to see you right away. Mm. I'll rearrange my whole diary just to accommodate him for an hour. The most, ama- the, the, the most amount of canings that he's taken for me was 153. And, and the caning then helps him to focus, you know, and raise a sharp focus and, and probably Absolutely. win his cases and Absolutely. so on. Because it, I always say that it shortcuts the fuses in the mind, mm. <laughs> you know. From being so short-sighted and, and it's, it's like staring at a wall and you're seeing this, you're seeing the facts on this wall from a very close distance. But when you walk into my space and you find that counterbalance, we transfer what we say, we transfer the emotional and the mental pain into physical pain. 
and you walk back to that wall with facts, you suddenly see a different perspective mm. completely. Oh, we're going to take a song break now, but when I come back, I want to, I want us to discuss couple sessions because I know that you do mm. couple sessions. Absolutely. Okay, great. Clipcentral.com. Clipcentral.com. Well, we're back on the Health Hour with me, Dr. Cindy, um, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I at, on Twitter. And I'm chatting to Mistress Kink and her master. And you can find her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at Kink Shanty, K-I-N-K-S-H-A-N-T-Y. So we, we need to talk about couples that come to see you and to see master. Mm. Okay. What would you like to know? Well, yeah, how do couple, how, how, you know, what, what do they come for? And when they do come, what are they looking for? Who comes? What happens? I find mostly that people who try and book couple sessions with us are, A, very sexually open, mm-hmm. mostly swingers, um, or want to start uh, swinging in their marriages, mm-hmm. which is something I try and pull them out of. That's interesting. Yeah. That's good. Um, I've seen a lot of broken relationships and broken souls through swinging if they don't know what they're getting themselves involved with. And very often I find that the woman will get involved with swinging um, or allow herself to be pushed into certain situations within his desires just to please him. And I know that you do, you, you you want to make sure that both people in the cup the, the, that both people in the relationship are on the same page. You you never it's want someone be, to do something for yeah, someone else. It's got to be mutually consensual, yeah. and it must it must come from a level of desire from both people. So when we do couple sessions, the sessions are usually anything between four and five hours. Um, the first hour, we'll sit and just discuss, and I'll very carefully profile the couple by asking very specifically targeted questions into their sexual relationships with themselves and with each other. Um, and based on that, then we'll determine how we proceed from there. Very often, people will book, um, they'll book BDSM and end up only receiving Tantra with some relationship and sexual vitality counseling. Um, but at the end of that, she would have squirted and he would have had multiple orgasms before his ejaculation. And they'll walk out feeling so in love and so happy and blah, blah. Often they'll book for Tantra and we'll just end up fucking them up with BDSM because that's what they need. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and um, just from a, an introduction point of view, um, if someone wanted to introduce their partner into BDSM, how would they go about it? I think I'm going to hand this over to Master because he's very, very good um, at doing distance domination with a lot of my male clients mm. who are trying to enslave their wives. Um, and he offers a lot of that on WhatsApp, so... I'm going to hand over to him. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> How do you enslave a you, wife? You'd, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd probably start, um, the easiest way would probably be to start dominating your wife or your girlfriend over the phone. That would probably be the easiest. So you would spontaneously just like pop her a message saying to her, for example, um, let's just get a little, let's go into this bit. So you'd say, uh, go to the bathroom, uh, remove your panties, let's say she's at work. Uh, go to your desk and send me a picture of your panties to make sure that she hasn't got them on. All right, things like that. Um, maybe go to the movie house with her and tell her what you what to wear, you know, kind of thing. When you so when you get home, she she needs to be wearing a certain outfit that you've chosen for her. Uh, maybe you've laid it out in the bed while you were home and she was at work, something to that effect. 
meet at the movies or take her to the movies and then, I don't know, get a remote controlled egg or something and, uh, <laughs> instruct her to go and put the egg in while you're at the restaurant and uh, play with the egg and different settings and that kind of thing. Oh, that you can do. Um, that's probably where you'd start off with that whole thing. And then, uh, yeah, start slapping on the ass every now and then, looking at her <laughs> response. Uh, take a flogger with you and a small little flogger, something that people can't really see if she's a bit shy. Uh, flogger on the hand or on the feet in the restaurant, um, in front of people, maybe not in front of people, just depending where you are. Yeah, and that's probably the best way just to start getting into it, like a, a small introduction, you know. And then take her to the bedroom after that, yeah. Maybe start tying her up and, uh, but it, once again, it's not always about physically tying a person up, okay? What I find works very well is mentally tying a person up. All right, so you don't need the restraints, you don't need the leather, and you do not need the chains, and you, yeah, just tie them up mentally. And and by tying them up mentally, it's even more um, more free willing in that sense. In that, <laughs> it's more free willing in that sense because the person at any stage can move away from you, you know, if they're not bound. But if you bind them with toilet paper, like I said, for example, um, then you'll know that they want to be there. Because at any stage, they can just walk away or just pull the toilet paper apart. Mm, so I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm holding your floggers in my mm, hand. This, see, is, this is pure leather. And how much, how much, uh, damage is the wrong word. How much, how much damage, okay, let's just use the words again. How much damage could these inflict on skin? Well, this can't, can this break skin? Of course it can, yeah. Okay, so how would you know? Not to hit hard enough to break skin Because of course you don't want any exchange of blood Well that's why you, with each person it's different And you'd start off very softly in the beginning And work it from there Okay And taste it on, your, on yourself ultimately okay. yeah. And how do you sterilize these? They get dipped in a solution After okay. each time gets used yeah, and dried out yeah. Okay And so we spoke earlier on about, um, about anal play and I mean, I know that, um, you know, the anus in terms of, in, you know, in terms of penetration and so on, it's one of the, one of the most delicate areas because the rectum doesn't have any natural lubricant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So lubricant, do you, do you guys? Anal lube, yeah. So you, you have mm. all of that yes, water-based anal lube yeah. for use with your dildos and strap-ons and so on. Yeah. Okay. And do you, do you put condoms, condoms on, over, uh, the over your strap-ons as well? Okay. So that's all part of, that's all part yep. of the safe play that you engage yeah. in. Okay. That's very good to know. And um, I also know that um, you do some electrotherapy as well, Mr. Um, Skink. Plenty. Yes, I do. So, um, <laughs> yeah, how, would, how, how, would, <laughs> how does electrotherapy work? And have you ever have you ever wondered what would happen if someone had a heart attack in your dungeon? Like, have have it ever crossed your mind? <laughs> I'd phone a doctor. <laughs> okay, so you, at least you got me on speed dial. <laughs> but have, have you ever have you ever had such an incident? I mean, like, no. no, no. Okay, so so far you haven't had any major health scares in the dungeon. You know, um, Doctor Cindy, you often find. I often see it. I get clients that walk in and they've got this kinky, greedy look in their eyes. Mm. <laughs> and I always say to them, you remind me of one of those little fuckers that hold their breath and go underwater and stay there as long as you can because of the adrenaline rush. And it feels so good. But if someone like me with savvy doesn't walk past you and pulls you out and tells you to breathe, you'll drown. And it's not because you're trying to kill yourself, but just because it feels so good. Mm-hmm. So there in, you know, lies safety as well as that the dom or the, the mistress yeah. um, has to know when to call it. Because the sub, if, if they're anything as greedy and as kinky as what I am, I'm a pain slut. 
I love my pain, and I'm sure you saw that outside when Master was bull whipping me. Yeah, this morning you okay. got how many? How many whips did you get? Ten? Was it ten? Was it ten or eleven? I can't even remember. Mm. I think it was ten. Yeah. Okay. Um, the most I was able to take so far was 147. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and well, I wanted more. Well, let's not say yeah. That was not the most you were able to take. It's where we where we called it. Yeah. Master called it. He said to me, "If I bull whipped you one mm. more time, I would have drawn. I would have actually drawn blood." So this is where, you know, it's not just up to the sub, but it's up to the master as well to decide where to call it. So communication because is key in, in, yeah. in, in all play. Yeah, it, it's vital. And your word is your honor, and your sub has to realize that. And this is where uh, trust is absolute key. And clients um, who come in either drunk or high or drunk. I don't high. allow drugs and I don't allow alcohol. And this is also part of the check that I do with my slaves. I speak very closely in their faces. So I can smell their breaths. If I smell any form of alcohol, it's tickets. I instruct them to leave and I tell them to come back when they're sober. And I think that's very important as well because then it minimizes danger mm. to you mm. and danger to, the, to them. And I check pupils and that sort of thing as well. I mean, there's obviously telltale signs of drugs, twitches, um, you know, shakes, shakes, all sorts of different things. Excessive sniffing and mm, so on. Absolutely. I won't, I won't work on people who have had drugs. The only thing that I do permit at times when it comes to things like anal play where it's very intensive is um, something called rush. Rush. What is rush? <sighs> rush is a chemical that people sniff. They, they smell this chemical. Um, what's it called? Poppers. Poppers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate the smell of that stuff. I usually wear a dust mask um, so that I don't inhale the fumes myself. It gives you one excruciating headache. Um, but they get off on it. And, and they enjoy it because it relaxes all the muscles in the body. So instead of him clamping up anally when I'm inserting that big <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> dong of mine up his ass, um, he's totally relaxed. The sphincter's muscle is totally relaxed. So he's able to better take it. Mm. And the one thing that I think I need to explore, I mean, just from a, a, a mental health point of view, um, the, the myth that engaging in BDSM is a fall, is, is a sign of some mental illness. Um, that's bullshit. Okay. That's absolute <laughs> bullshit. Um, I don't come from a mentally disturbed background. Do I look mental? <laughs> <laughs> Are you mental? <laughs> but, but the thing is, but the thing is, Mr. King, I mean, that, I think, I think that's why it's important to have this conversation because mm. the, the initial reaction for most people when they hear about BDCM is that, okay, mm. that person's off their rocker mm. or there's something wrong with them. There's a mental mm. problem. And I, you have know, you, have you watched the movie called The Secretary? No. Okay. I suggest you watch it. Mm. All right. And once you watch it, you'll come to a deeper level of understanding of mental domination. All right. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you too much. It is quite an old movie. Um, but try and get your hands on it. It's called The Secretary. It's the most amazing, most erotic um, depiction of BDSM and its ultimate um, in, in terms of mental domination. This girl was a cutter. She came out of a clinic for having cut herself. Uh, she was busy recovering. Um, it showed a form of physical violence between her two parents Um she withdrew into her bedroom, pulled out her cutting utensils, and, and started cutting herself again. She then found a job with a lawyer. 
And this lawyer brings her out of cutting by giving her physical pain in the form of ass slapping. Okay. So the reason why people cut is because they want to transfer the emotional and the mental pain that they're feeling into a physical pain that they can then watch heal. So this is where BDSM becomes a safer way of practice for those people. Because instead of drawing blood and leaving physical scars, which generally never disappear on your body, you can engage the services of people like us who can help you with that. And then um, with with the the life coaching aspect of, you know, where I teach people emotional intelligence by helping them reprogram their mental thinking about how they relate to themselves and to this world, their self-worth and so forth and so on. Um, that in itself becomes a healing journey as well. Mm. Mm. And needle play. Do you engage in needle play at all? Yes, we do. Okay. And what does that entail? The needle play is... Um, have you got photos here? We can show her photos. Okay. It's literally where you take surgical needles, and it's, again, just somebody that wants to feel that level of pain. You'll take the surgical needles and insert them through the skin, all right, coming down the back on either side, in other words, and make it really kinky, take some ribbon, and create a corset. Okay. <laughs> and this is what women enjoy as well. So a lot of your female clientele enjoy that. Absolutely. Mm. And okay. it, go, it goes deeper as well. It goes deep in the sense of where um, it, it gets into suspension. Yes. You know, where you get needles and then rings inserted into your whole body mm-hmm. all over, including your penis. Mm. And you get suspended mm. by those points. Yeah. From and those rings. And, and, yeah. and once again, this is where BDSM, you know, people think it like something dark and it, it's really not because it mm-hmm. just depends on how deep you get into it. Mm. It can be super light where it's just a slap on the butt. Mm. And that's as far as you take it, and and it, and, and it could stop. The, there is no point of stopping at the end of the mm. day. But you know, we've obviously got our limits as to how far we go. And yeah, you know, Cindy, what what is fear? This is a question that I ask everybody. What is fear? What is fear to you? I don't know. I, I think I, I fear insects and snakes. So when you say fear, <laughs> all I can think is this anaconda <laughs> or some little creepy crawly, you know, coming at me. Okay, fear is a bullshit illusion you create in your mind. And that's the only place it exists. But you won't know that until you can play with someone like us who will help you push beyond your own fear limitations that exist in your mind. And in pushing those fear boundaries in a place of safety where you feel that you can trust. Because believe me, when Master ties my hands and my legs and everything up and he throws me into a swimming pool, knowing that I can drown, I need to trust in the fact that I know a dead slave is of no use to him. <laughs> you can't torture a dead slave. You understand? And therein lies trust. So, I mean, there's one of my clients that I took cling wrap, for instance. I've cling wrapped his entire head and gave him a pinprick to breathe through. Now, that's taking that person to the deepest, darkest corners of their mind, that point of near death. But he wouldn't allow me to take him there unless he knew he could trust me, mm-hmm. unless he knew that I was experienced enough to know what I'm actually doing. To know when to call it. Is this making sense? Yeah, I totally understand. Now, in terms of safe words, it depends on what play you're doing. There might be some points where you have a gag ball down the person's throat because you know that by the time you make that person squirt, she's probably going to be screaming her head off. And you don't want the neighbors alarming or alerting the police. And so you put a gag ball in her mouth. <laughs> but now, 
even in that, there might there might be points where it becomes painful. So she has to be able to give you that signal, please stop, just give me a breather. So then you would issue different safe words. In other words, she's not able to speak, so now she would hand signal you, for instance. You know, different different play dictates different safe words. And I think this explains, the, well, this makes sense then why you do not allow drugs or alcohol because you absolutely. have to be absolutely aware mm. of your surroundings at all times. Absolutely. At all times. Absolutely. The movie Fifty Shades of Grey, did you guys mm. watch it? <laughs> Master punished me <laughs> for that movie. Oh, God, I begged him. I said to Master, please take me out on this date. Please, can we go watch this movie? <gasps> I'm dying to see this movie. So he books the tickets and we go and watch this movie and we both pushed our reclining seats down and fell asleep <laughs> and woke up at the end. <laughs> so so you, it's the, the portrayal of BDSM, I mean, I haven't watched the movie, I haven't read the books, but the portrayal of BDSM, did it give BDSM a bad name? Yes, it did. Okay. It absolutely did. Um, first and foremost, um, she was allowing herself to go through all that and, and this is, again, people's perception of abuse because she was trying to alter his state of mind about what love really is. Okay. Um, in an SM relationship, everything is consensual. There is nothing that happens to you against your free will. And the fact that you have a safe word means you can call it at any point. I'll give you a simple example. Um, I was down in Belito for a while. And I phoned Master, I said to him, you, you are emotionally neglecting me. And, and I feel it, and this is not right. And I called my safe word once. He got in his car that same afternoon and drove down to Belita to come and see me. Um, that in itself should show you the level of trust and the level of loyalty and the level of faithful um, commitment, never mind anything else, that the minute the sub calls their safe word, you stop what you're doing and you come to that person's rescue. That's deep. It's very deep. Mm. Master, I have a question for you because yeah. I mean, a lot of, of clients that I deal with, I mean, because I'm an HIV clinician, I spend a lot of time encouraging men to use condoms. Mm. And one of the biggest things that I get thrown with is, but it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. So you're open and you're honest. I love your openness and your honesty. Is sex without a condom different from sex with a condom? All right. Um, it is, okay? okay. But I think the rewards by using the condom far outweigh the little bit of pleasure that you're not feeling when you do use that condom. Purely because, you know, do you know your partner? Do you know who they've been with? And now you're going in there without a condom and you're sleeping with every other person that they've slept with. And any disease that she's contracted or he's contracted from the previous partner or partners... It's so not worth it. Use a condom. Condom-wise. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a Definitely. Very, that's a very honest answer. Because I must say, I mean, when I argue with clients about this, it's, it's always difficult for me as a female clinician to even understand why you wouldn't want to use one. So mm. that's, a, that's a very open, honest answer. And I like that. Mm. I really like yeah, that. Yeah. And I've heard of like some guys that when, when they see a condom, they go soft and, well, that, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I've heard that, yeah. They um, go completely flaccid. I mean, they're client, they're, they're patients that I have who will say, who'll say that the moment they see the condom or smell the latex, they go completely flaccid. It's done. I think it's a mental thing. And if they had to come see someone like me, I'd smack the bejesus out of them and <laughs> they would definitely start condomizing. <laughs> we'll reprogram them. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, that'll, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I know. I mean, as we, as we go towards, um, um, the end of the show, the one thing I wanted to ask you, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Mrs. Kink, is that when women come in for, when, when women come to see you, just, mm. just, you know, not with their partners alone, mm. what are they generally coming to you for? Your female clientele. What are they coming for? They're feeling lost within themselves. Um, they're seeking some sort of guidance. They're looking to come to deeper levels of understanding of themselves as sexual beings without judgment and the fear of, dis, you know, um, discrimination and so forth. Um, and they feel they can be open and honest with me. Um, I don't know. I've just got this thing written on my forehead. So would you be <laughs> able to help? Your... So would you be able to help, to help a client who has vaginismus? Because I mean, I have a client who hasn't been able to have proper penetrative sex for mm. 11 years because, mm. you know, whenever it's time for penetration, she just completely clamps up clamps and her up. vagina tightens and closes. Yeah. No, definitely. And what would your therapy entail? I can't get into too many details because it's not conventional. <laughs> oh, okay. But you'd be able to help her. Definitely. Okay. That'll be, that'll be an interesting mm. angle. Cause I was, I mean, I was, I was going to send it to a sexual health practitioner, but who knows? Maybe you'll be able to help. The her. interesting angle here is that when women do come see us. Yeah. Um, 10 out of 10 women are clamped up sexually. It's not a unique thing. Okay. And that's the reason why they're seeking my services. And by the time they walk out the door, they've squirted a few times. They're totally feeling free. They're feeling so relaxed. They're feeling so calm. They can smell color. Um, then, you know, job well done. You've set her free. Mm. Absolutely. And that's ultimately what it's all about is just setting her free. Well, that's amazing. Well, mm. you know, we've nearly reached the end of the show. So, yeah, before we go, mm. um, where can we find you? Where do we, I know on Twitter, it's at Kinkshanty, K-I-N-K-S-H-A-N-T-Y. Mm-hmm. And where else can people find you? My website is Mistress Kink, mm-hmm. K-I-N-K, dot Weebly, W-Echo, Echo, Bravo, Lima, Yellow, dot com. Okay. And then I'll also advertise on a couple of the prostitute websites um, or the adult websites. They can find me on esa.coza, look up Mistress Kink, and then also Red Velvet, look up Mistress. Okay. Mm. And if anyone needs to WhatsApp you, SMS you, they need to talk to you privately, where can they find you? 072-885-4801. Okay. And you had a request? You're looking for? Oh, yes. Okay. I am looking for some submissives. Um, now this goes out to ladies who consider themselves nymphomaniacs, point one. They've got all this bent up sexual energy and they don't know how to express it. Um, who would like to be introduced into, into BDSM as a lifestyle, um, in terms of the SM relationship and learn a lot more about themselves and, Maybe even take this as a career step. I am looking at seriously training up more ladies to become professional dominatrixes. You know, there's a difference in inflicting pain and giving pain. And I always say that any arsehole can pick up any cane and inflict pain. But it takes a grand master to get a submissive onto their knees, free willingly, ultimately because they want to be there from a level of desire. So we do own King House, um, combined with a bed and breakfast known as House of Obedience, where we offer a lot of different things in terms of sexual vitality. Um, we also offer overnight accommodation. 
But yeah, if there's any ladies out there, if you're divorced, married, doesn't matter, and you feel that you want to start expressing your sexual energy in a safe environment where ultimately you won't get hurt and you'll be remunerated for your services at the same time. Um, Yeah, earn while you learn. That's interesting. <laughs> but thank you so much, Mrs. Kink, and thank you so much, Master, for being thank here. You. This is probably one of the most interesting shows I've ever done, and I've learned <laughs> a lot. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having us. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com.